0: Welcome back to Murder Sandwich, a true crime and mystery podcast. I am Vicki, and I am joined today by Steph. Hello. So this is our 12th episode, and we'll be talking about the abduction of J.C. Lee Dugard. So for anyone who doesn't know, it was a very popular case, uh, especially around 1991 to all the way to 2009. <laughs> <laughs> but this is actually a good resolution at the end of this one, so I'll just... I'll just give you that right now. happy
1: ending. There is a
0: happy Er, ending. Happier ending. (laughs) Listener discretion is advised, as this story does involve strong language, graphic content, and abuse against minors and children. So, if you want to see how JC was found after being missing for 18 years, then go ahead, grab a turkey panini, an ice cream sandwich, or a BLT, and let's mow down on some true crime. So unfortunately there's not a lot about JC's childhood before she got abducted. Mm-hmm. So I actually couldn't even really really find her birthday. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not really sure any of that, but in September of nineteen ninety, around when she was ten years old, JC and her family moved from Arcadia to Myers, California, which is a really small rural town outside of South Lake Tahoe, because they thought it was a safer community. Safe. And it's, we learned quite quickly that it was not. <laughs> so, JC was in the fifth grade at the time of her abduction, and she was actually really close to her mother, Terry Proben, and then her baby half sister, Shana, who was born in 1990. So, she must have been like obviously very young.
1: Yeah, she was about one or so.
0: Yeah. So, JC's biological father was someone named Ken Slayton, but he actually didn't know that he was even a father. Oh. Yeah. And Terry married Carl Proben and then that was her stepfather and then her sister's dad and she wasn't really close with him it seemed
1: she didn't really care for him it didn't seem (laughs) no
0: it didn't seem no specifics as to why but yeah (laughs) on june 10th 1991 terry was working as a typesetter at a print house at this time and she left for work early that day Jc was only 11 years old and she was a really pretty girl super long hair blonde I thought she was, like, super cute, She's that yeah. photo that went around about her, and she was wearing her favorite pink outfit that day, so JC was walking up the hill from her house against traffic and to catch the school bus. She was about halfway up the hill, and a gray car approached her, and she just assumed that they were, like, asking for directions. Ooh. Yeah, so Philip, Greg, Garrido, and Nancy Garrido were in the vehicle, and Philip rolled down the window and tased JC until she was unconscious with a stun gun, and Nancy proceeded to pull her into the vehicle. I
1: didn't realize they tased her that bad. Yeah. I don't know how I missed
0: that. (laughs) I know. That's crazy. Yeah, I literally can't imagine So they proceeded to remove her clothing right away, and they only kept a butterfly-shaped ring that JC actually would hide from them for the next 18 years and still had when she was recovered.
1: Really? Yeah. I
0: did not know that. So good for her.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, Nancy then covered JC in a blanket and held her down as she drifted in and out of consciousness during their drive to their home in Antinok, which is about 120 miles or 193 kilometers away. The only thing that JC said to them at this time was that her parents like wouldn't be able to afford a ransom. Mm. And then although later it was believed that Nancy had actually scoped out JC at some point and was more or less of like a present Ew. for Philip. Really? Yeah.
1: So they like stalked her ahead of time?
0: Yeah. So what the the, the craziest part about her abduction is that her stepdad actually witnessed the entire thing. What? Yeah. So J.C.'s stepfather Carl Proben, who we just talked about, yeah, he was at the bottom of the hill watching from the house and saw her saw this gray vehicle like go up to her, and he didn't see the tasing. He just saw them stop right like it was from pretty far away, yeah. But they made like a U turn right at the school bus stop where she was sitting, and then he got on a bike and was racing up the hill, but he couldn't make it. So,
1: like, he could have seen the license plate and, like, maybe helped this whole situation before 18 years happened. Yeah. (laughs) Holy
0: shit. He knew it was, like, probably a Mercury monarch at least, but yeah, he didn't get license plates. And unfortunately, JC's classmates also witnessed it from the school bus. Really? Yeah. So, like, other elementary school kids.
1: They must have been freaking the fuck out. I would have been
0: losing it. Yeah. Like, especially depending on how close they are to like... Getting tased is like no joke. Especially for an 11 year old. Right? Like she probably like... Well, she got knocked out. So like... Yeah. It
1: can knock out an adult person.
0: Yeah. I just... Yeah. well, <laughs> uh. Unfortunately and obviously the initial suspects obviously did include her stepdad and biological father. Totally. So Carl and Ken were both... You know, investigated. Um, yeah. This was when Ken found out that he was a father. So that's super fun times to figure that just out.
1: Like, just so you know, <laughs> you have a daughter, and she's now missing. Did you happen so to take her? Did you
0: take her, or? <laughs> well, they were both cleared quite quickly. <laughs> yeah, especially Ken was probably like, well. I didn't know about her until you showed up. <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm sorry, who <laughs> Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, so yeah, police were called immediately after her abduction, and local and national media converged all over South Lake Tahoe, California, to cover the story. Many volunteers assisted in the search effort, but they knew that it was by car, right? So like, yeah. how do you really know where to search? so within weeks they did have like flyers and posters mailed to many businesses all throughout the united states oh my god and then since jc's favorite color was pink they actually painted the town in pink ribbons as a constant reminder for disappearance and then you know wanted to demonstrate the support for the family to the community which is like really
1: nice it's really nice and very sad very
0: (laughs) sad So Terry, her mom, founded a group called J.C.'s Hope, and they directed the volunteer and fundraising efforts. Cassette tapes of the song J.C. Lee, along with T-shirts and sweatshirts and buttons, were sold to raise money for materials and other expenses. And then ChildQuest International and the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children were also involved in the effort. There was a reward. I couldn't find how much, but um, it was offered on all posters and flyers. It was never recovered obviously or used or given out yeah the abduction actually gained enough attention to be featured on the june 14th 1991 episode of america's most wanted as well
1: holy crap yeah so there was like so much coverage yeah. and they still nothing were not able to find her nothing holy
0: So we're going to dive into who Philip and Nancy Garrido are, because they're quite the pair. So yeah, so Philip was born in Pittsburgh, California on April 5th, 1951. He grew up in Brentwood, which is just a fun fact where O.J. Simpson's house was. Um, he graduated from Liberty High School in 1969. So just a few years later, so what, he was like 20 in 1972. Yeah. He actually was arrested and charged for the repeated rape of a 14-year-old girl after giving her bar. Habituates, yeah. Which are sedative hypnotics. <laughs> Unfortunately, the victim declined to testify, so it never went to trial. Charges were dropped. He got to go home. That's it. Bye. What? Yeah. I guess it was probably in the time where they didn't really have any evidence except for her testimony, so they probably couldn't he go anywhere. said, she
1: said, and yeah. if she's not saying anything, then I guess that's that. But, like, 14, like, I'd be terrified. I would be absolutely petrified. Yeah. And your parents would have to be involved in that whole situation too wow yeah
0: yeah Yeah, not a good situation so i don't i don't blame her at all but it's just really unfortunate
1: it is sad
0: so in the following year so what he's like early 20s he ends up marrying his high school classmate christine murphy and she later accused him of domestic violence and she also came forward and said that he would actually try to kidnap her when she would try to leave him
1: So he's got quite the history. (laughs) Yeah, there's a pattern. Some craziness and kidnapping his own wife and cool doesn't get any
0: better either, right? So in 1976, Philip actually kidnapped a 25 year old girl named Catherine Calloway in South Lake Tahoe in California. He took her to Reno to this like warehouse, and he started like raping her for five and a half hours. A police officer was patrolling in the area, though, and he noticed, like, this car parked outside, this, like, empty warehouse, and when he got closer, he noticed this, like, broken lock, and so he started to, like, go in, and Philip just, like, greeted him at the front door and was like, oh, hey, yeah, like, we're just in here, like, no big deal, and then Catherine emerged and was like, yeah, I need help, and so Philip was, like, immediately arrested on the spot.
1: The 70s is such a weird time. (laughs) Like, like. There's a police officer patrolling, and he knocks on the door, and the guy's just like, yeah, we're just, like, hooking up, no big deal. And this chick's just like, ah, oh, fucking help me. <laughs> and they're just like, oh,
0: yeah, okay. <laughs> but, but like, also, what would have happened if the cop wasn't there? Like, would she have died? Would she have gotten kidnapped? Uh, well, he doesn't seem like a killer,
1: though. Like, he doesn't seem like a killer. He's, like, he likes to, like, continue to do this, so he wants, like, a pet. Yeah. He wants to keep them forever gross yeah
0: very (laughs) so thankfully this time he was charged and convicted of crimes both in federal and state courts Mm -hmm. and in 1976 there was a court-ordered psychiatric evaluation and it advised that philip was diagnosed as a sexual deviant and chronic drug abuser the psychiatrist recommended that a neurological exam be conducted because his drug use could be and i am saying this loosely responsible for the sexual deviancy (laughs)
1: <laughs> Philip, Very loosely. Yeah, very <laughs> loosely.
0: So, Philip was evaluated by someone named Albert Peterman, and his diagnostic impression was that Philip showed considerable evidence of anxiety and depression and personality disorder. Shocking. Yeah. In court, Philip did testify that he masturbated in his car by the side of the elementary and high schools watching girls... And so, therefore, he was convicted on March 9th of 1977 and began serving a 50-year federal sentence on June 30th, 1977, at Leavenworth Penitentiary in Kansas. You will soon find out that he does not stay in there for 50 years. (laughs) (laughs) What? Yeah. (laughs) So, at Leavenworth, this is where he finally meets Nancy oh so
1: she was in jail in jail (laughs) prison (laughs) it's a good
0: spot (laughs) yep so she actually was visiting another prisoner there because it's a men's prison it was her uncle oh okay yeah
1: (laughs) so i'm glad you said uncle because i was like does she have
0: a type or (laughs) (laughs) right so 1981 on october 5th they get married at leavenworth while he's in the prison And then on January 22nd, 1988, Philip was released from Leavenworth to Nevada State Prison, where he then served seven months of a five years to life sentence. (laughs) What? I know. Then he was transferred to federal parole authorities in Contra Costa on August 26th, 1988. So, yeah, let's backtrack here. 1977, he was given a 50 year sentence and he was released in nineteen. 88, 11 years.
1: Of a 50 year sentence. And he got married in that time.
0: Yes. And so he had conjugal visits, obviously. Yeah. So,
1: like, he was.
0: Yeah. (laughs) That was. Like, what a sentence.
1: (laughs) You get laid. Like, he met a woman and, like, had sex, got married, and was like, peace, I'm out. Thanks for the time. This was great. (laughs)
0: What's the point I of learned of, a lot, clearly. What's the point of those long sentences if you're not even going to do, like, half? Like, that's not even I know. 50%. Not even 50%.
1: <laughs> and, like, what he did to get that sentence was no minor thing. Yeah. Like, he's shown that he does this over and over and over again. So there's there's many reasons that he should have just stayed.
0: <laughs> yeah. And
1: then you see what he does.
0: Yeah, if he he was in the fifty year sentence, what happened to JC Lee? Like just wouldn't have happened.
1: It wouldn't have happened. There would have been no time. She would have gotten on the school bus and gone to school and just like didn't really care for her stepdad and just (laughs) moved on with her life like a regular
0: girl. Just, the system is just broken. Which we get into like a huge conversation this on how system broken... system is so broken. And failed her a lot. But that's the that's the first instance of the system failing her.
1: Yeah, they let him out.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so in Antonoke, uh that's where they resided. It was in the home of Philip's elderly mother, who's actually suffering from dementia. She's not mentioned a whole lot in the story. She lives at the residence the whole time. Yeah. But her dementia must be like pretty, pretty severe. Bad. Yeah. So he was on parole, so officers did visit the residence many times, and he did have an ankle bracelet. Keep note of that fact. He wore an ankle bracelet.
1: (laughs) Yes, he was on parole with an ankle bracelet. Just remember that.
0: (laughs) Later, Philip's father said that he actually was a good kid, but that he changed significantly after he got in a really bad motorcycle accident as a teenager. And then later, he got into drugs pretty badly, primarily crystal meth and LSD,
1: Yeah, no big deal. Yeah. Those are easy ones for sure. (laughs) For sure.
0: And then later, Philip also created a blog that he called God's Desire Church, and he claimed that he had the power to control sound with his mind. I did not know that. (laughs) What? Yeah.
1: (laughs) This is amazing. I know. Immediately after arriving at the Greedo's home, they took JC behind their house where they had constructed a series of tents and sheds. I still can't get over the fact that she lived in a shed Mm -hmm. for 18 years.
0: If you guys are curious, like, you can actually see, like, the layout of the land on the internet to really see, like, what he did. And it seems so simple. It seems simple, but, like, it obviously worked. But the fact that they weren't caught for so long, like, still baffles me. I know. Like, it's very obvious that there's stuff back there.
1: Yes. (laughs) Like, sheds and tents and people...
0: Yeah, like, if you look it up and you see it, you're going to be like, what do you mean?
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Philip placed JC into a tiny one that had been completely soundproof j c. later stated that she was left in there naked and said that there were trained Dobermans outside the shed that would attack her if she tried to escape. I do remember reading that in the book. yeah, he that's how he like kept her in there was like the dogs will basically like rip you apart, so you're yeah. stuck in here, and she was a child. So she didn't trust.
0: And the reason it was soundproofed is he would use it as a recording studio.
1: Yeah. Because he wanted to be in a
0: band. Yeah, He would do romantic country songs or like really religious music.
1: Yeah. (laughs) JC's living area was in the secondary backyard that was more or less hidden behind the house. The private area had two sheds, one being the soundproofed one, which was a recording studio. Two homemade tents were back there as well. The area was surrounded by tall trees and the entrance was covered by trees and a tarp. Privacy was even more enhanced by tents and outbuildings and also housed a car that matched the description for the abduction. Electricity was supplied by extension cords.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like, wouldn't you be concerned if you were, like, A parole officer, and you saw these extension cords going to like this hidden backyard when you like put two and two together. Should probably check back there.
1: Maybe. (laughs) Like, let's check the soundproof shed. Play me a song. (laughs) Like, what is happening here,
0: guys? I remember in the book that, and I might be, it's been a while since I've read her book, but Mm -hmm. I do remember her saying something about there being instruments.
1: Yeah, so, like, she was, like, stuck in the one tiny room with a mattress and a bucket for her pee and poo. And then on the other side, there was, like, a locked door that Mm -hmm. he would do his recordings. And she would just, like, be in the room listening to him rock out. (laughs) Alone, right? Alone, yeah. She was completely alone. And he was alone. Yeah, because he didn't have
0: bandmates.
1: No. (laughs) Good. Or maybe... I don't think he did have bad I don't think he had
0: bad nights either.
1: Right after the abduction, Philip would force JC to shower with him. During her first week of captivity, she was in handcuffs the entire time and her only human contact being with Philip. He would bring her fast food and talk to her and provided her a bucket to go to the bathroom in.
0: He's just trying to gain her trust.
1: Yeah. And like immediately after taking her to his house, he just like strips naked and is like, Here's my penis. Yeah, to like an 11 year old. To an 11 year old girl. Yeah. That was like. And he was like, You could touch it if you want. What? Ew.
0: Yeah. It was super creepy. I also read that she said that the first time that she like showered with him right after, that was like the first time she'd ever seen like a naked man. Yes. Yeah. Like she had no idea like that. what they looked like
1: no yeah she was a child people (laughs) a child after a week philip raped jc with the handcuffs still on and would continue raping her daily doing so at least once a week for the first three years of her captivity yeah this happened a lot this poor girl i know it's so sad at one point, Philip did provide J.C. a TV, but she could not watch the news and was unaware of the publicity that was going on with her own disappearance. Can you imagine if you, like, change the channel and you just see yourself Yeah, on television?
0: And she didn't leave either, so she never saw, like, any of the newspapers or anything. Like, she didn't get to leave for, like, years. She never think, like, like, tried. Years.
1: She never tried to leave her shed. Just stay like, there. Like, stayed there. Yeah. After a month, she recollects she was moved to a larger room next door where she was handcuffed to a bed. Philip explained to JC that the demon angels let him take her and that she would help him with his sexual problems as society had ignored him. Yeah,
0: because that's something that's true.
1: He kept telling her that, like, she was helping others so that he wouldn't do this to other people. So she took it upon herself to be like, I can do this for the greater good.
0: Yeah, that's sad. And,
1: like, to protect other girls. Like, it's fact.
0: That's Manipulation 101, I think.
1: <laughs> yeah, straight up. <laughs> yeah. He would go on meth binges that he would call runs, during which he would make J.C. put on makeup and dress her up and spend time with her while cutting figures
0: from pornos yeah Yeah. he would just like sit there and cut out pieces of porno magazines yep while like touching himself and like being naked and doing like awful things and weren't they like really long too i remember reading the book they were like all night sometimes or like days
1: days yeah sometimes they were days long and And she like didn't sleep yeah no because he was on his meth binge And he would just, like, continuously do this. And then eventually he, like, got it in his head that, hey, these pornos that I'm, like, tearing up, you could do these things. He would even make her listen for the voices. He said he could hear from the walls. Philip even professed that he believed that he was the chosen servant from God. These runs would end in him sobbing and apologizing to JC or saying that he would be going to sell her to other people.
0: And that, that would keep her in cages. Yeah. And so that she should be like thankful that she's like in this shed.
1: Yes. <laughs> that he treats her so well. Like so thankful, you dickhead. Exactly. <laughs> Seven months after her captivity, she was introduced to Nancy, who brought a stuffed animal and a chocolate milk and engaged in the same tearful apologies to her. JC admitted that Nancy was just as manipulative as Philip. Nancy alternated between motherly concern and coldness and cruelty, and even being jealous of JC at times. JC described Nancy as evil and twisted. And
0: she worked at a care home, by the way, everyone. Yes. A care home.
1: Yeah, a care home. Well, she was kind of looking after his mom, for -hmm. the most
0: part. Like, she kind of took that on. Like, how did he make his money at this time?
1: At this time, I don't know. I know later there's, like,
0: a a printing
1: press or whatever that they were doing from, like, the shed. (laughs) But, yeah, I don't really know. I mean, he was on probation, so he had an ankle bracelet, so he couldn't really leave. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. Weird. On two different occasions, they had given J.C. two little kittens who would then just disappear. She would start writing journals, but when Philip found them, she was forced to tear out every page that she wrote her name. She wouldn't be able to say or write her name for another 18 years, and they would refer to her as Alyssa. She did get to choose her name, though. That's true. She chose her own name.
0: That's... I was going to say nice, but I don't think that's nice. (laughs) No. (laughs) But I I get what you
1: mean, though. Like that was a control thing that she could have on her own and for sure in like a life where she had nothing
0: yeah yeah exactly we've mentioned the books for a while like her first book we both have read there's a lot about the two little kittens in there and how much they like meant to her yes it's really sad when you're reading it like it's just heartbreaking
1: yeah i think the first cats he they were like peeing everywhere so he was like this doesn't work for, like, my sexual things that I want to do to you because I just smell cat piss, so he just, like, got rid of them. That's fucking weird.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I think she had the second one for a little bit longer. Yeah. But still, not great. So crazy. So at almost three years of captivity, Philip and Nancy actually began to allow JC some freedom from her handcuffs for periods of a time, although they still kept her locked in this, like, bolted room inside the shed. On April 3rd, 1994, actually on Easter Sunday, they gave her cooked food for the very first time and informed her that they actually believed that she was pregnant. J.C. was 13 years old at the time and was four and a half months pregnant and at that point had only learned how the pregnancy works and how it happens from television. Yeah. Yeah. While J.C. was pregnant with her first daughter, Terry, her mother, was actually holding rummage sales to pay for private investigators and distributing a million flyers across the U.S., which had a sketch image of what she would look like as a teenager.
1: Oh, my God.
0: J.C. watched TV about childbirth to prepare them for the birth of her first daughter, which ended up occurring when she was only 14. On August 18th, 1994, her first daughter was born. First daughter. Mm-hmm.
1: With no epidural. In a shed, people.
0: Yeah. It just reminds me of the Joseph Fritzl case. Like, what? She was given a 1960s book on childbirth and just told to go. Yeah. Awful. And just to remind you, she's, yeah, in the shed. There's no, like, toilet. There's no sanitary. There's nothing. It's not clean. No. Like, it's very, it's a very dirty shed. We should talk about cat pee. There's cat pee in there. There's cat pee, (laughs) her
1: pee. Like, there's literal shit. Yeah. Hanging out in there.
0: Awful. So after the birth, Philip ended up raping J.C. less frequently, though he would when he was on his runs, like we spoke about earlier. Mm -hmm. The last time Philip raped J.C. was the day that her second daughter was conceived, actually. And the second daughter was born when J.C. was 17 on November 13th, 1997. We'll just refer to them as first and second daughter because we actually don't know their names. Which I think is great. Yeah. Like, let's have some anonymity from them. Absolutely. They don't deserve to yeah. have any of that. They
1: deserve to have as normal lives as possible at this point, for
0: sure. Agreed. So JC took care of her daughters using information learned in television and what she could remember from school, and she worked really hard to protect them from Philip. They proceeded to still live in the secondary backyard in tents and sheds, and mm-hmm. there's pictures of them online, and mm-hmm. it's an experience to look at them for sure. Yeah. The Goritos actually had a neighbor named Patrick McQuaid, who later said that he spoke to JC when he was just a child, and he met her through the fence. After this brief exchange, Philip ended up building an eight-foot-tall fence around the backyard and set up a tent for JC, which was then the first time she was allowed to like walk outside since her kidnapping.
1: Mm-hmm. Which, Can like, you imagine? Like, how long? Wait, how long has she been in there now? Six well, years. Yeah. So, six years, she's been stuck in
0: a shed, basically. A shed. I think he would move her inside to let her go and have a shower and stuff. I think I remember that from the book. Yeah. But other than that, like, nothing. And that, yeah. I think, was only, like, once and they in a did, while.
1: they did, like, move her to, like, the bigger room, mm-hmm. which um, was his, like, original band room, I think it was. And
0: he was like, I don't think my music career is taking uh, off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ridiculous. No one likes my tunes, so. Yeah. JC would plant flowers in the garden, homeschool her daughters. There was a story about how she, like, planted this one plant outside the shed and, like, watched it grow for a long time, and I think it was, like, kind of giving her hope. Nancy required JC's daughters, though, to refer to her as mother instead mm-hmm. of JC, and it even continued when they were eventually allowed around other people. Yeah. And that JC was just their older sister, which I just thought was weird. But
1: that didn't happen till like... Way later. first daughter was, like, two or three. Mm-hmm. Like, I get that she was still young enough that that transition probably wouldn't have been something confusing. Or maybe it would have been confusing. But, like, I don't know. I feel like that's quite old to have a mother and then be like, just kidding, this is actually your mother and I'm your sister.
0: Yeah, it's weird. (laughs) Philip weirdly later opened up a print shop, like you mentioned. Yeah. And (laughs) JC actually worked there as a graphic artist. Ben Dodrill, who was actually a client to Phillips, even spoke with her and met her and said she did excellent work. And during this time, JC actually had access to the business phone and an email account. And another client said that, you know, she never hinted towards anything about being abducted or her true identity. I do remember that being talked about in the book, her like working there.
1: Yeah, she said she actually really enjoyed the work. Like she was quite good at it. And... She never tried to contact anyone, even though she had an email and a phone. Like, she was so manipulated and stuck in this situation that she was still, like, so scared to reach
0: out. And, like, he told her multiple times her family didn't want her. You know, they don't miss you. They're not looking for you. Ridiculous. It is even said that after some time, JC would even open the door for visitors at the house and that there was never any issue and that, like, people even saw children playing in the backyard. So, like we said before about the ankle bracelet... We're gonna, go, we're gonna go through a lot of the failures that the system had on her yeah so yeah this ankle had tracked like everywhere he went on the property yeah. and the police knew that he was spending the majority of his time in his second backyard and they never looked there like not once not one single time never <laughs> not once
1: never once
0: and you can you like i found websites where it shows like the map Of, like, all the red of him being in there. And, like, we're like, oh, well. Like, they obviously didn't look. So weird. Police also failed to make the connection between J.C.'s kidnapping and then the 1976 kidnapping and rape of Catherine Calloway Hall. Yeah. Which, like, come on. (laughs) Sorry. Come on, guys. And... On April 22nd, 1992, this is less than a year after her kidnapping, a man actually called the Contra Costa County Sheriff's Department from a gas station less than two miles from the grito's residence. The caller reported that he saw J.C. in the gas station staring intently at a missing child poster of herself. <gasps> the caller then reported seeing her leave in a large yellow van, possibly a Dodge, <laughs> it was not a yellow van was recovered from the Garrido property. But the police like never... Never did anything. They never got the caller's name. They never really looked into it. But what's contradicting is that JC never recalls ever leaving the Garrido property the day that she was kidnapped or from the day she was kidnapped until shortly before her first child was born in August of 1994. To me, though, I feel like she just doesn't remember
1: Yeah. I feel like so much of her life at that point was just
0: trauma, trauma, trauma
1: that she doesn't like she's blocking a lot of it out. Yeah. The thing that was crazy to me is that they're driving a yellow van. Like Like, that's not common. No. At least not now. It's not like a gray Honda where like a thousand billion people have one. It's yellow (laughs) and it's a fucking van.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why they didn't look into that one. Like, that's such a specific call. And it
1: was on the property. Yeah, and it's only two miles from their house. I don't know a single person with a yellow van.
0: No. Why wouldn't they just do, like, a a search? See who lives in the area. He was a registered sex offender. Yes. Why wouldn't they just do registered sex offenders in the area? Boom. Yellow van. Ridiculous. So, in June 2002, the fire department responded to a report of a juvenile with a shoulder injury that happened in a swimming pool that was at the Greedo house. And then, this information was never relayed to his parole officer because, again, he's not supposed to be around children.
1: He's a sex offender.
0: Yeah. In 2006, one of Philip's neighbors called 911 to inform them that there was tents in the backyard with children living there, and that Philip was psychotic with sexual addictions. A deputy sheriff spoke with Philip at the front of their house for over half an hour and then just left. After JC was located in 2009, the sheriff actually issued a public apology to the victims in a news conference. Well, yeah, because you suck.
1: Yeah. Like, again, he's a sex offender. Someone has called in that there's children in his backyard and you did not go <laughs> into the backyard. You talked to him at the front door for yeah. a half an hour. And
0: I still didn't tell his parole officer. Yeah. Again. 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 On November 4th, 2009, a California office of the inspector general actually issued a report that discusses many lapses by the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. It's very wordy. (laughs) That was a lot. That had contributed to JC's continued captivity. The central finding in this report was that Philip was actually incorrectly classified as needed only low level supervision and that all other lapses derived from that mistake.
1: So he was marked as low-level, even though he...
0: Was a sex offender and kidnapped and raped a girl. And, like, went to jail for it. Mm -hmm. And did 11 years out of 50. Yeah. (laughs) Like, the system couldn't fail enough, I don't think. Yeah. That's tough. In the same report... Uh, the respector general detailed an instant in which a parole agent actually encountered a 12-year-old girl at the home, but accepted Philip's explanation that she was his brother's daughter and that the agent did nothing to verify it, even though a call to his brother quickly verified that he just doesn't even have any children, let alone a young daughter. Mm. C- do you not... Do you hate your job? Yeah. Like, are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> like, that is such an obvious...
1: Red flag. Yellow van. (laughs) It is an obvious yellow van.
0: (laughs) Red flag is on it. It's a yellow van. It's a
1: yellow van now. There's no such thing as a red flag in this situation.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So as you probably guessed, she does get recovered in 2009, so we're going to go over that. Yeah. On August 24th, 2009, Philip visited the San Francisco office of the FBI and left a four-page essay containing his ideas about religion and sexuality, and he suggested that he had discovered a solution to problem behaviors like his past crimes— I hope you guys can recognize my sarcastic tone. (laughs) The essay described how he had cured his criminal sexual behavior and how that information could be used to assist in curing sexual predators by controlling human impulses that drive humans to commit dysfunctional acts.
1: I love that he himself brought this to the FBI to to be like, (laughs) guess what, guys? I have the cure. (laughs) I have the cure. I did find it Kind of interesting. Like obviously he was into little girls. Well, I mean like Catherine was
0: older. Though. Yeah,
1: like she was like in her twenties.
0: I think the masturbating at schools probably r- revealed that he likes the younger girls. Younger
1: girls, but like after the birth of their first child, he didn't rape her like as often. So maybe she was it. Her giving birth to a child that turned him off, or was she just like getting too old? They have a second child, and then, like... He stops. There's just no, like, major rape happening after that. So, like, what was it that was, like... The switch? And then why did he keep her? Like, is it because now they have children together that he felt that he was, like, oh, I have to be
0: here? I always thought that it was because, like, her giving birth was, like, the significant like a signal that she was a mother yeah and was like i guess just changed his like wasn't visual innocent yeah because she's you know there's like products of the rape now yeah so and i think he probably didn't feel like protecting himself from not having more children so i think after two he probably was like
1: "Mm, mm -hmm, probably shouldn't do that anymore and also how did him and nancy never have kids Because I can't imagine that he, like, wasn't having sex with her. Like, maybe he saved, like, the good stuff for JC. Or, like, you know, he'd go on his runs. But eventually, like, Nancy did kind of partake in the runs. Like, she would
0: be there Mm -hmm. with him.
1: Yeah. Never with JC. Yeah. She would partake in the runs with him. I
0: I can't get any kind of grab on what nancy was ever thinking no because like yeah they never had kids together so either she couldn't have them or she was she or he were protecting themselves which doesn't make any sense because why wouldn't they just protect jc yeah like you're controlling her food you could also control her birth control yeah right like throw her a pill in the food you're giving her she wouldn't even know she would
1: never even know or question it
0: yeah, she would just take it. Um, like, unfortunately, she would just take it. Which, in this case, would be in her best interest, in my opinion. But
1: And she might have even willingly taken it. Maybe not when she was, like, 11, because she's terrified and has no idea what's happening. But as she got older, she would have been like, yeah, I do not want to have your fucking children.
0: I will take this pill. <laughs> yeah. But what's scary is that she probably didn't even know any of that. Because if That's she had true. never even seen, like, what a man naked looked like or anything, like, I doubt she knew about sexual health. And it was, what, then early 90s, like, yeah. haha, Yeah. And then they didn't talk about that stuff back does, then. Does he know sexual health? 'Cause she he kidnapped her when she was eleven, so maybe in his head he's like, Oh well, she probably can't have kids yet. True. So maybe he didn't even think about and it. And for
1: a couple of years, like she didn't. She didn't. Like three. Yeah, they got lucky. Because at any like at any point she could have like for sure. we don't know when she started like her cycle or anything like no. that exactly. Well, she so probably like, doesn't. She probably has
0: no idea. Who knows if she even got one? Yeah. Like I read a book a long time ago. I think, I think it was Jimmy Buffett, but by no means, I'll edit this out if it's wrong. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there was, like, a, a one of the characters was only, like, had never had a period, and she got pregnant. I remember looking it up when I read it, and it, it, it can happen.
1: That's crazy. So
0: she might not even have known.
1: Yeah. Well, she had no idea that she was four and a half months pregnant.
0: Yeah, they, like, walked in and just told her. They're like, you're yeah. gaining some weight.
1: And as someone who's pregnant, like, that's <laughs> hard. If I was 11, and I had no... Idea, of what any of this was,
0: yeah. Because in my head, I feel like because we both read her book, yeah. I think she would have talked about like her first menstrual cycle. So the fact that she didn't talk there about was that was nothing. Me- makes me think that either it came and she didn't understand what it was, and it's just not talked about. She doesn't remember, or she genuinely just didn't have one. Yeah, and then got pregnant. Because yeah. like what did they do when I hope they supplied her some information. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just so scary to know that you even, don't know that.
1: They probably wouldn't have even supplied her like tampons. Tampons or pads or anything because like that shed was gross. Like it was disgusting. They gave <sighs> her a bucket to relieve
0: herself in in the corner of the room, like Yeah, like I don't <laughs> I don't I don't think that they probably did anything. No. But I bet you that she just had no idea yeah. what any of that was. She would probably wasn't even known to ask for birth control. No. In a weird, gruesome way, I'm happy that he felt like she was maybe too old. Yeah. Because it could have been, like, it could, like, raping her every single day for three years could have been 18 years.
1: Yeah.
0: Why would he keep her so long?
1: And it, she never mentions, like, I don't think he ever did anything to their kids.
0: She mentions that they didn't. Yeah. So it's weird. Well, I don't think that's weird, because... I don't incest to him is probably crossing the line true which like he has a line he has boundaries (laughs) he's got boundaries he kept them because of the children or I think that maybe yeah like you said earlier she was a toy and whether he was raping her or not she was a toy nonetheless yeah like he kept her like, and she was totally Stockholm Syndrome. like She wasn't leaving. 100%. So to him, it probably was no risk. So him dropping this essay off and doing what we're about to talk about, in yeah. my opinion, very stupid decisions for him to get caught. I think it's because he was like, I can't be caught. She'll never, she'll yes. never rat on me.
1: It was an ego thing. And I think he was so far gone at this point. And it had been so long that he forgot. It's almost like he forgot what he did was wrong. Yeah. Because she never left. As she got older, I guess she could have or figured out a way to leave. So in yeah. his mind, he's like, "No, she's choosing to stay with me. So I've now done nothing wrong. I'm a father of two daughters." Yeah, and she saved me. And she saved me and I didn't hurt I didn't hurt other children. <laughs>
0: so dumb so crazy so on the same day that he dropped this essay off he did go to the university of california police office with jc's two daughters seeking permission to hold a special event on campus as part of his god's desire program He actually spoke with the special events manager whose name was Lisa Campbell, and she said his behavior was completely erratic and that his girls were really submissive and like sullen and pale, and it just felt like really awkward for them to be there. Yeah. She asked Philip to make an appointment for tomorrow, which he did, and he ended up leaving his full name. And so (laughs) a fellow officer whose name is Allie Jacobs ran a background check on him, and she discovered that Philip was a registered sex offender. Oh my goodness. On federal parole for kidnapping and rape snaps to Ali Jacobs for doing the bare minimum of her job. Like she's the yeah. first person? Good for her. And
1: like he's still on parole.
0: Still. All this time later. The That's whole how bad time. his crime is is that he's been on parole this whole time.
1: For 18 years plus. 18 yeah. plus years cuz it was
0: before he stole her that he was Yeah, he didn't get it until 1988. Yeah. That's when he got out of prison. Yes. <laughs> like what? 3 years before she he even took her.
1: Yeah. And it was pre-planned, premeditated.
0: Yeah. So Philip and the girls returned for their appointment at 2 p.m. the following day. Jacobs attended the meeting. The girls appeared to be really pale, like, if they hadn't been exposed to sunlight, and she felt their behavior was just totally unusual, borderline, like, inappropriate even. Yeah. So she left a message on his parole officer's voicemail, voicing her concerns, and then, like, you know, her report of the situation that she witnessed. After hearing the voicemail, two parole agents drove to Garrido's house later that day, and when they arrived, they handcuffed Philip immediately, searched the house, and they only found his wife, and then Philip's elderly mother. And then, yeah, you know what's weird is, she must have been in the backyard, because like, where was she? Yeah. So another case of them not looking in the backyard. Second
1: backyard. Why does this guy have two backyards?
0: For stealing kids, I guess. Like, <laughs> <Clearly>. it's ridiculous. <laughs> Obviously. Then the parole agents drove back to the parole office with them. On the way there, Philip said that the girls who had attended the university with him were daughters of a relative and that he had permission from their parents to take them that day. Although a month before, the parole office had barred Philip from associating with minors, and although Berkeley was 40 miles or 64 kilometers from their house, which is actually 15 miles or 24 kilometers over the limit, that he was allowed to travel without permission. Nothing was done about any of the violations. So after reviewing this file, they just ended up driving Philip home, ordered him to report to the office again the next day, to discuss his visit to the university, and then to follow up about the concerns about these two girls.
1: It's weird that he kept bringing the girls because he felt people were taking him seriously. Yeah. But also to, like, backtrack to he's on parole, he's got this ankle bracelet, he's driving outside. Like, could they not have looked at his ankle bracelet to be like, oh, he didn't drive outside of his... Yeah. He didn't go to
0: Berkeley. <laughs> like, yeah. Or wherever.
1: Yeah, it's just... They could have just looked at that
0: and been like, you're lying. Exactly. <laughs> so Philip did show up the next day, and this is where I'm just... <laughs> like, I... Sometimes... People get caught, and I'm just like, what were you thinking? <laughs> like, I'm glad they got caught. Don't Absolutely. get me wrong. But, like, the nature in which it happens just seems... Like- he
1: was literally dangling a carrot in front of these people. Yeah. And
0: thankfully, someone actually picked up on it this yes. time. But come on. Yeah. So, yeah, he showed up, and shockingly, he didn't just bring the two daughters. He also brought Nancy and JC. Yeah.
1: I'm. <laughs> it's a family event. <laughs>
0: So the the parole officer decided to separate Philip from the women and the girls to obtain their proper identification. Shocking. (laughs) JC maintained her identity as Alyssa. She sat in there. She told investigators that, you know, the girls were her daughters. And, you know, she indicated she was aware that Philip was a convicted sex offender and that he was a changed man and a great person and was good with her kids. Comments were repeated by the two girls exactly Mm -hmm. the same. Obviously, it's been practiced. Yeah. JC was then asked about details to confirm her identity, and she just became really defensive and agitated, demanding to know why she was being interrogated, and said, you know, she was just, you know, really defensive because she was a battered wife from Minnesota hiding from her abusive husband. Mm. The parole officer eventually called Concord police, and upon the arrival of their police sergeant, Philip ended up admitting that he had kidnapped and raped her. Only after this did J.C. identify herself as J.C. Lee Dugard, and she did so by writing her name down on a piece of paper because she, like, couldn't even say it aloud.
1: No. She was
0: like, I haven't said my name in 18 years. Like, she was terrified.
1: Yeah. Understandably so. Like, can you imagine, though? Like, she's been living her life as Alyssa, this traumatic, awful, terrifying life as this other person. So... You would almost have split personality. Yeah, like, to her, J.C.'s a totally different person. Yeah, J.C. doesn't exist anymore. Like, J.C.'s gone.
0: So, unfortunately, J.C., you know, experts say that she experienced Stockholm Syndrome, which yeah. for anyone who doesn't know is just a syndrome when you're abducted or kidnapped and you basically have some sort of like compassion or connection to your abuser just because like they're your only connection sometimes like the outside world. Yeah. Which we basically have been talking about this whole time. But mm-hmm. J.C.'s actually quoted as saying that the phrase Stockholm Syndrome implies that hostages cracked by terror and abuse become affectionate towards their captors well, it's really, it's degrading, you know? Having my family believe that I was in love with this captor and wanted to stay with him, I mean, that is so far from the truth that it makes me want to throw up. I adapted to survive my circumstance. Exactly. Exactly.
1: Yeah. I wouldn't really... I understand why they would say Stockholm Syndrome because they always want to put a label on something, Mm -hmm. but it's not like Beauty and the Beast here. Like She did not fall in love with this guy. And like... No. She... She did what she had to do to protect herself and her daughters.
0: Yeah. And, and, e- and e- even live. if she had a phone and she called them, she probably was just so scared that something would happen to her kids. Yeah. So she just was like, I'll just deal with this to yeah. protect them.
1: At some point, it probably became all about her daughters and not even about herself anymore. Like, yeah, it did not matter what happened to her as long as her daughters were OK. Exactly.
0: Of course, thankfully, Philip and Nancy Guerrero were finally placed under arrest, and an FBI agent then put J.C. on the phone with her mother, Terry. J.C. ended up retaining custody of her children and reunited with her mother on August 27th, 2009, after 18 years. The police ended up coming out and said that they actually thought this was, like, a good news story for other people who have missing children to, like, you know, say, like, you don't always have to lose hope yeah like it can happen it can
1: yeah and like her mother would be getting to know this adult person mm-hmm. she missed out on so much of her life and like yeah her daughter is now a mother so they're meeting on like a common ground yeah which is so crazy to it think. is
0: crazy so yeah, like we said before, the names of her daughters are never released, but there have been many comments that they're healthy and they're really yeah. smart and they're doing really, really, really well. They're adjusting to school.
1: They both wanted to go to public school and things like that. So that's crazy.
0: Yeah. So Carl Probin, that's her stepdad, confirmed that the days after the reunion that JC and her daughters are doing well, like they're proceeding slowly, but things are going good. Three weeks after her release, JC actually asked for the pets that were raised in the home to be returned to her. I think there was cats and I think mm-hmm. a dog. I, I think, think there was a dog, yeah. Yeah. Um, she also began animal therapy with horses, which she did with her mom and her sister. Yeah. And then on August 27th, 2009, so basically like what, a couple of days after he's arrested. Yeah. Philip was interviewed in the jail cell and at one point is quoted to state, in the end, this is just going to be a powerful, heartwarming story. Muffin. Like, what the fuck?
1: How did people, like, not punch him out, though?
0: (laughs) Like... He had to have gotten punched out in jail, for sure. Yes. It was also revealed that in that essay that he dropped off at the FBI, that it was eventually released. It's actually titled, Origin of Schizophrenia Revealed. And it was about stopping schizophrenics from turning violent and controlling sounds with the human mind. So, take that with you, Will.
1: (laughs) Do you think that he had some sort of disorder for sure before the drugs or do you think the drugs like helped bring
0: this out? I was really interested in the motorcycle accident comment and I wish I could find out I wish I could find out more information because there is like a lot of stuff out there about like, you know, concussions and brain injuries and all of this stuff. Totally. And my mom suffered a brain injury in a car accident, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, I've seen it totally affect people. Yeah. A hundred percent. They can completely change. Yep. And so, yeah, like, it, I I don't know. I, I don't know. But he, obviously, from a young age, I don't know how old he was when he got in that car accident, but, like... Mm-hmm.
1: It sounded like, like he was, like, fairly young, like, in his early 20s or something like that. But, like... And then he got into drugs and LSD and all this, like, mind-altering stuff. Like, it's not like he's, like, smoking some pot and going to bed. Like, he's, you know, meth and LSD
0: are kind of heavy hitters, you know? (laughs) like I think that if he was a bad kid and showed, like, weird tendencies that we'd be able to find information on that, like, people would have came out. So the fact that there's not makes me think that he was, like, a totally normal kid. Like
1: a normal kid. And then just some shit happened and then
0: maybe yeah
1: he just like maybe he got into the drugs because of his brain injury and then it just snowballed Yeah. yeah just snowballed from there and and innocent people ended up
0: getting really hurt yes i wish they could know when that's gonna happen to people you know, cause sometimes, like you hear about these stories, and, like anyone who watches Bailey Syrian on YouTube, she always goes through the childhood. and
1: yeah,
0: all every single person has like something wrong. And mm-hmm. so I wish they could like have predictors. Like I know that's like a little far-fetched, but mm-hmm. <laughs> but it, in a perfect world that is it though? Like,
1: I mean, we're we're coming so far with science and psychology and all of these things. like, And especially with all these, you know, serial killers and true crime and everything like that, everyone's so interested in it right now. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you can go back through like Bundy and look at his history and be like, okay, so here's some key factors. And, you know, X, Y, Z serial killer has the exact same thing. Yeah. So, I mean, we might be getting to a point where you can kind of be not necessarily like can take them out of society but you can maybe we need to watch this person a little closely because yeah just because they have those factors doesn't mean they will act on those factors so it's such a thin line of what do you line. do with that information
0: but I don't know like I watched Riverdale I know so great for adults that show <laughs> but in Riverdale they always make jokes about how one of the characters has like a serial killer gene yeah and like it's it sounds far fetched but at some point it it may exist whether that person acts on it or not is a different thing Yeah, but yeah like at some point maybe and
1: like is that something you would want to know no I wouldn't want to know I wouldn't
0: want to know I would just like to blissfully live my life unaware.
1: (laughs) Yeah, like, maybe I'll be a murderer, maybe I won't. But, like, I don't want to know if I could be.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's really interesting. In this case, I think Philip would have had the markers pretty quick. Yeah. And should have been locked up forever. (laughs) Yeah. For sure.
1: A hundred percent. You know, like, the first
0: three times he raped somebody, maybe. Yes so there was a trial on august 28th 2009 philip and nancy pleaded not guilty to the charges including kidnapping rape and false imprisonment the case was prosecuted in El Dorado county and the bail was actually set to 30 million dollars for nancy but there was no bail parole hold for philip so he didn't like he wasn't allowed to get bail
1: Oh, okay. I was like, wait, like he could have just left. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, no. The opposite. opposite okay. <laughs> At a press conference on February 28th, 2011. Now, I know there's a little bit of a jump there. There is information online, it really goes back and forth. There was like lots of drama with Nancy's lawyers and stuff. I didn't bother including that in there. It was a lot of just dry. Yeah. But yeah, there's this, they go back and forth forever. There's a couple grand jury stuff. You know, it's just retrial appeals, blah, blah, blah. Look it up, read it. Yeah. (laughs) So Nancy's lawyer in 2011, Stephen Tapson, said that they both had made a full confession in the case. And this was basically just to assist with plea deals because Tapson acknowledged that, you know, Nancy was looking at 241 years in prison and he was getting that reduced to 30. He wanted to. So
1: that's a, that's a, a sizable reduction. A sizable reduction. Yeah,
0: <laughs> he felt that Nancy was manipulated by Philip just as much as JC and was just another victim. I only believe that like maybe ten percent. Like I think at some point she was like, "Yeah, I'm the victim," and at some point I think she kind of liked it. I agree because
1: like there was jealousy. Mm-hmm. There, at any point, she could have told somebody, released her. Let her go. Helped her get home. Yeah. She knew where she lived. Yep. She, you know, if you don't know her exact house, you could drop her off at the bus stop. You knew where she was going.
0: (laughs) Ridiculous. So on April 7th, 2011, instead of pleading guilty, they ended up both pleading not guilty again. And then later that month on the 28th, they ended up finally pleading guilty to kidnapping and rape by force. On June second, two thousand eleven, Philip was sentenced to four hundred and thirty-one years to life imprisonment. Nancy was served thirty-six years to life imprisonment. Both sentences would allow both to be eligible for parole in August twenty thirty-four, which is not that far from now. It's really not. So I, mean, I think we're like twenty twenty-one. So so he's about he's about seventy this year. So yeah. in another, he'll be what. 85 ish. Yeah. 84, 85. Let's, he'll, let's hope
1: he dies. In prison. <laughs> yes. Die. So, I wonder if COVID has, like, um, affected his prison at all.
0: Maybe. Who did I just. Oh, yeah. Ed Kemper got, like, was a part of the COVID I read when he. When I did his case. Really? Yeah. I think he got COVID or, like, he had to get locked down or something from COVID. Interesting. Yeah crazy so jc does have two books uh the first one is the one that we both have read it's called a stolen life a memoir it was released on july 12th 2011 highly recommend it it's i actually i really liked it i thought it was well done yeah for sure it's not for the faint of heart no i was just gonna say yeah definitely not for the faint of heart there's lots of details in there
1: extreme details
0: i haven't read her second book but it's called freedom my book of firsts that Mm -hmm. was released on july 12th 2016 just realized this on the same day Yeah. yeah Uh, In July of 2010, the state of California approved $20 million settlement to JC to compensate her for the various lapses by the corrections department that contributed to her continued captivity, ongoing sexual assault, and mental and physical abuse. It was approved by the California State Assembly by a vote of 70 to 2, and then by the California State Senate by a 30 to 1 vote. The bill was signed by California Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger on July 9th, 2011. Schwarzenegger. So, you know what? Good for her. 20 mil. She deserves it, honestly. She deserves more, in my opinion. Yeah.
1: That's a lifetime that yeah. she lost out on. Yeah. And she now has, like, two daughters that she has to support and, like, and get through the rest of her life. And they have to get through the rest of their life, like... They're probably gonna spend that much in therapy for the rest oh, of their lives. Easy. easy. Also, who are the two votes and like the one vote that like said no? But I know. Who are you? I just when
0: monsters. I monsters when I read that I was like I was it wasn't anonymous because like being the thirty <laughs> to one being like that one person right being like I don't think she deserves that big whoop. I just wish I was in the room. Why? Why? Why do have, you vote? No? I would imagine.
1: Well, maybe it. Maybe it is anonymous, because then they feel that they can.
0: I I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. So on September 22nd, 2011, J.C. ended up filing a lawsuit in the United States District Court for the Northern District of California, accusing the United States of failing to monitor Philip when he was on federal parole. So J.C. alleged in her lawsuit against the federal government that parole officers should have returned Philip to prison for any number of his parole violations that preceded her abduction, including testing positive for drugs and alcohol exactly unfortunately her lawsuit was immediately basically rejected and the u.s court appeals for the ninth circuit on march 15th 2016 i guess it's not immediately but in the u.s court of appeals i feel like five years is immediately that's pretty quick yeah. <laughs> uh the court ruled two to one decision that jc had not been victimized by philip at the time that he was placed under federal parole supervision and that there is no way to anticipate that she would become his victim what i know how awful is that statement?
1: She had not been victimized by Philip at yet. the time.
0: Yes. <laughs> it's basically yet. Yeah. You hadn't been abused by him yet. So how dare you? That's Why? not my problem. Shouldn't have walked to the
1: bus stop. <laughs> what? So rude. So ridiculous.
0: That that makes my blood boil. Wow. Yeah. I know when I wrote that out, I was cool. Just having to write that to someone who just was like kidnapped for eighteen years—you you had to have felt shitty. Mm-hmm. Also, two to one. Yeah, that's why well, only have three people
1: voting on that,
0: right? <laughs> who are these three people?
1: Who are these three people? And yeah, how do you have that opinion? I have no idea. How is that your judgment? Okay cool so any final thoughts it's so sad <laughs> it is really sad it's not the heartwarming story that he thought this was going to be the only heartwarming
0: part of it is that she got away from him and she that he's did. going to die in prison hopefully if hopefully soon would be nice <laughs> <laughs> it would be nice
1: <laughs> yeah the only heartwarming part is that the girls are going to have like a fairly normal rest of their lives, and anonymously, which is amazing. And, yeah, she gets to kind of start over. Yeah. So that's really the only... So many of these true crime stories end in, like, death and Mm -hmm. things like that, and these people have a chance at a second life, basically. Whether or not that's ever going to be normal, I don't Mm -hmm. know.
0: But... No, I totally it's crazy. share the same sentiment. It's yeah. really sad. I'm glad that she, it could have been worse for her in a lot of ways. Yeah. But thankfully it wasn't. Yeah. Although, like, her trauma is going to last, like, her whole life. I find that very sad. Yes. But, like, you know. She,
1: is she ever going to be able to have, like, a normal relationship? Job? A job. Her whole life. There's so much trauma. There's so much trauma.
0: Yeah. Cuz okay, so like 18 years. So she was about 29 when she was found. Yeah. Like, Which is like pretty close to our age. Like 11 to 29 being stuck in a shed like your most formative years. Yeah, it's crazy. And <laughs> she is she's open to having her kids like visit him and have a relationship with him too.
1: Really? I mm-hmm. didn't know that.
0: Yeah. I feel I understand but I also don't understand. Like I get yeah. that they're their her their dad but he's such a piece of shit.
1: Yeah. I would be interested to know if the girls do have a relationship with him or if they've chosen knowing what they know to be like no thanks. I don't know. Cuz they're
0: because it, they're it, like in their 20s now.
1: Yeah, it would be such a weird they they only know him as their father as eccentric as he might have been, drug abuser, whatever,
0: that's what they know as their father. And then to them like I'm sure there was obviously abusive behavior, but they never witnessed him raping her. No. Like none of none of the sexual abuse happened after. Yeah. So maybe in their head, like they were they cried and were upset when they found out he was going to jail. Yeah. Like they were, you know, that was their dad
1: a lot of the abuse and stuff kind of stopped now jc had a job it's not they were hitting her and hurting her like it was all m- mental manipulation 110 yeah. yeah. percent. a
0: lot of emotional but like sexual abuse for sure yeah
1: but like the girls wouldn't know anything different
0: no this is their life yeah so I hope they're okay. Like, I assume that they are. Like, her family seems, like, so supportive and yeah. wants to do what's best. And obviously that $20 million will help with a ton of therapy. That is definitely, definitely, definitely needed so yes. much. And I hope she doesn't get bugged. People, yeah. Some people, like, know Just her face her and stuff. Like, I hope she le- is living, like, a peaceful life of some sort. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I hope so, too.
0: Because she, was- <laughs> she really deserves it. I hope her life is, like, borderline boring for her.
1: Yeah, right? (laughs)
0: Like, honestly. You know?
1: Like, 100%. I hope her life is boring. I hope she just, like, gets up in, like, her robe and slippers in the morning (laughs) and, like, makes a regular cup of black coffee and just, you know, doesn't even watch the news because fuck the news. But, like, you know, just chills out, watches Keeping Up with the Kardashians.
0: (laughs) I think it's interesting because with COVID and everything, I wonder if quarantine like really affected them mm. with like not being able to leave, or would it be like comforting? Yeah, I don't know. I never thought about that before. Yeah, depending on where they are. Like, I don't know if she's still in California or or anything That's like true. that. That's true. I don't know where they are. because like out. some states were like obviously different. I don't know if
1: I would want to stay in the state I that would, left me in a I shed would. for fifteen, eighteen I, years. Sorry. I, think, I think I would move.
0: hundred percent. It would definitely be like.
1: i would i probably would have left the country to be totally honest like well
0: they failed you yeah like i would i won't even admit their failures no from that level at least
1: from the highest level
0: yeah and plus plus that 20 million that that never went to trial they just paid that to her yeah they knew that they would lose they did not want to see their failures come up in court no. Because there's obviously way more than what's mentioned.
1: A hundred percent. Like,
0: imagine all the little things that they missed. Paperwork that you would have to, like, comb through. Man. So that does wrap her story about J.C. Lee Dugard. If you are interested in learning more, yeah, I'd really recommend her books. You can find a lot more information about kind of what it looked like in the backyard if you are curious on doing a little bit more of a deep dive. Mm-hmm. Thank you for, Steph, for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Anytime. Uh, thank you for everyone and their patience with my little vacations I've been taking recently. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we will be back next week, so stay tuned, and I will see you guys on Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Bye.